You're listening to On the Brink, a podcast that brings you up-and-coming country music artists. We especially prohibit the reproduction of any parts of the podcast without our written consent. Please send your request via onthebrinkpodcast.com, where you can also sign up for updates. Please also support our sister site, stonecoldcountry.net. We sincerely thank you for listening and congratulate you on your expanding music library. Hey y'all, Santa here. I'd like to thank Recruiting Awesome for sponsoring this On The Brand podcast episode. If you're an organization that is looking to hire new employees, I would absolutely recommend that you go to RecruitingAwesome.net and find out more about this stellar organization. They have over 15 years of experience in the talent acquisition and HR consulting space. They are absolutely able to put your organization on the right expansion plan. If this sounds appealing to you, then why not just give them a call right now? That phone number is 1-800-748-0518. Once again, that number is 1-800-748-0518. Or you can visit them at recruitingawesome.net. They take the worry out of recruiting. And don't forget to tell them that you heard the good news from Santa. Welcome to the inaugural podcast series. The New Traditionalist is a series that concentrates on country artists under the age of 25 that are performing, recording, writing traditional country music mostly in the vein of George Jones and Merle Haggard and Lefty Frizzell and Fern Gosden. And we really felt compelled to bring you six of what we perceive as the brightest up-and-coming stars in the traditional country music space. So this first episode, our inaugural episode, we have the distinct pleasure of talking to Wyatt Massingale. Wyatt Massingale has won multiple NACMA awards including Entertainer of the Year and Duo of the Year. Not too bad for a 19-year-old. And he's also recording in Nashville with the greats like Buddy Hyatt. He's absolutely one of the brightest stars that's holding the torch high. Very much so in the same vein of George Jones, Vern Gosden, and Merle Haggard, just to name a few. He had some very interesting things to say about his passion for traditional country music. And we talked quite a bit about old possum George Jones, as Wyatt and I actually share a similar memory of watching George Jones when we were just knee high. So without further ado, I'm going to present to you the inaugural episode of the New Traditionalist podcast series with Wyatt Massingale. And if you like this series and if you like this podcast, please do save, share with your friends. And we do look forward to hearing from you. How are you, Wyatt? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, you're from Indiana, is that right? Yes, ma'am. 
So in Indiana, do you play out there? Because I was, I wanted to talk to you about this. Because <laughs> are you 18? 19. You're 19. Okay, so whatever I read was about a year old. So where do you play out in Indiana? Do you play out at all? Yeah, yeah, we play out quite a bit. Uh, they actually do let me in the bars, but um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to stay back away from everything usually, so. Oh, but they do let you in. Because I was just wondering about that. I go, wow, I wonder where why it plays out. Like, you could certainly do private functions and things like that. But um, in terms of, you know, the clubs and stuff and the bars, I wonder what that's like. And you're not the only one. There's plenty of people who, you know, started out in the bars and they were, you know, minors, but they weren't honest about it, you know. <laughs> 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 they would give the impression that they were a bit older. Well, let me tell you, we are just loving um, No Jones on the Jukebox. It's such a good EP. Um, the, it's just stone cold country, you know, no pun intended. Just real <laughs> solid, traditional country music, um, which is what we love around here. And um, it's just really amazing to know that someone from your generation is, you know, moving forward with keeping the torch, you know, lit, so to speak, you know, kind of carrying the George Jones torch, you know, Lefty Frizzell, you know, all these great people, you know, Merle Haggard, all these awesome people that gave us so much good music. Right. Um, and I, you know, our program, um, why we're not, uh, how can I say this? I want to say this very tactfully. <laughs> we're, we're not down on anyone. How about that? That's the best way I can say it. Whatever someone wants to do, you know, whatever uh, amalgamation of country music, they want to call it country music, that's perfectly fine. Whatever they want to do is fine. But we know what real country music sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of people don't. You're right. Exactly. And so my question to you, because, um, you know, I've listened to the whole EP and I listened to it a couple times. And um, I've also listened to your brand new single. Well, your, I shouldn't say your brand new single because we're going to talk about the single that's coming out in a couple of weeks. But the uh, latest released single, I guess I should say, right? Um, it sure is drunk out there. Um, so I wanted to ask you why, how did your love for traditional country music uh, come about? How did that get started? Uh, well, I actually grew up listening to George Jones. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of these older guys. And I think they've all had a big influence on me getting into music. And kind That's of the great. sound that I've adapted to. That's great. Who would you say had the most influence on you in terms? And that might be a hard question because there's so many great, you know, singers out there. But, you know, growing up, you know, you said you listened a lot to George Jones. Would you say that George Jones had the most influence on you? Or would you say there were some other ones that had a big influence on you, too? Uh, yeah, George Jones is definitely by far the biggest influence I've had. We love ourselves some George Jones now. <laughs> But I want to hear. I want to hear from you. Why does George Jones kind of have you know that? I guess overarching influence over your music and even your sound because I hear a lot of George Jones in your vocal. Yeah, you know, truthfully, I think there's nobody that can put more heart into a song than George Jones, and yeah. it's hard to bend a note like Jones. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know that George Jones was a big Lefty Frizzell fan. I'm a you know Lefty Frizzell is like one of the uh, people that I absolutely love his music, especially uh, the stuff that he put out before he died. 
Um, my dad loved George Jones and Lefty Frizzell and Merle Haggard equally. So I grew up listening to all the greats. Um, and it sounds like you had the same benefit with your parents as well. Sounds like they might have been big country music fans. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. My dad's always listened to older country. You know, I know George Jones came out with that album, The Rock, back in 2001. Oh, yeah. And when I was little, we used to ride around and listen to that all the time. So, oh, yeah. That was one of the good ones. Be one of my favorite albums. As oh, I got yeah. Older. Oh, yeah. That's a great album. Uh, absolutely. He's well, you can't go wrong with George Jones, though. <laughs> it's kind of. <laughs> You really can't. Um, I've I've listened to enough of his music. I can't say I've listened to every single album because it seems like I always discover some new album that I didn't know about, like some compilation album or something that just came out. And there were like some unreleased singles that were, you know, uh, put all together not too long ago that were George Jones's too. Um, so, but everything that I've heard, and it's quite a bit, I've heard over, you know, 300 George Jones songs, you know, songs that he's, uh, you know, that he actually recorded because um, he didn't do a lot of songwriting, um, but he definitely recorded some great songs. And I I don't think I've heard a song that not liked, you know, from George. I, I just don't think I have. If if I have, I can't recall, you know, but he just has that pure sound. Now, you know, and moving forward in terms of some of the people that you grew up listening to. So George Jones was your, you know, number one influence. Is there a song from George Jones that's your absolute favorite? Ooh, that would be hard to pick. Right? <laughs> so many good ones. <laughs> I know it. I know. But I noticed that you do um, some George Jones songs in your set. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we do quite a few songs. They actually told me to tone it down. I think I could do a whole set of just George Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite George Jones song to do live? He Stopped Loving Her Today. definitely got to be oh, my yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great song. Probably uh, one of the most requested ones too, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's just one of those. Songs. So I know um, that you have a new single coming out. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I did want to talk about your latest EP. So no Jones on the jukebox. Tell us a little bit about how that got started. You know, how did you come up with the the song for that? I know you wrote the title track to that EP too. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, me and my mom were actually at Waffle House at like <laughs> 3.30 in the morning oh, wow. and playing the jukebox. And I'm like, I really don't want to hear this anymore. Will you play something that I like? Play some George Jones, something like that. And she goes, well, there's really not a lot of George Jones on here. And it popped in my head, no Jones on the jukebox. And it kind of just wrote itself from there. Wow, that's a great story. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing story. So, and you know, that's what country music is all about, right, Wyatt? You know, true life story. Yep. All about yeah. telling the truth. Yep. So let's go ahead and hear that title track, which actually is one of my favorite tracks on your EP. So, no Jones on the jukebox. Here we. Go. Box to play 
country song There was no Jones on the jukebox There ain't no Jones on the jukebox The whole world is gone to hell And now they've crossed a line They took the heart of a country song songs on my mind Remembering a love that I once had Drinking with Jack and Joan Singing a country song Can I hear still do one more time There ain't no someone to traditional country music what song would you pick and why uh i think i'm sticking with he stopped loving her today on that one. Oh, great and 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 what would be your answer to that uh i think i would stick with that one just because it's kind of the epitome of what real country should be and can you expand more on what you feel real country should be like? What does that really mean? You and I know what it means, but you know, a lot of people listening to this might not really know what's meant. They might think, um, <laughs> they might think Florida Georgia line is real country. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. The reason I say that is because, um, we just got on Pandora and Pandora, you can like listen to that in, you know, on your car radio 
Um, there's certain cars that have Pandora already when you buy it, when you buy the car. So there might be some people flipping through and, you know, find this, you know, podcast on there and start listening to it. And they may not really know um, what real country music is. So, you know, it's kind of like it's an opportunity for us to, you know, share uh, with them what it really does sound like. So, you know, George Jones said that it is, well, actually Harlan Howards, uh, who's, you know, was such a great songwriter, said that um, country music is three chords and the truth. And then Waylon and Mo Bandy, who I actually just interviewed, said that country music is a feeling. So what, what would you say um, is country music? Yeah, I mean, what you basically said there is three chords in the truth. I mean, there ain't no other way to put it than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's three chords in the truth. And so you feel like um, he stopped loving her today is the epitome of three chords and the truth. That's why you would pick that song. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no, there. that song really like tugs at your heartstrings <laughs> for the most uh, part. Yeah. Yeah. I think it should anybody's. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, would that be the saddest song that you, you know, that you've ever heard? Well, I, I don't know if I could say the saddest, especially when you put Chiseled and Stone next to it and Farewell oh, Party. Right. I mean, it's it's got oh. some pretty close seconds for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, don't talk to me about Vern. I love me some Vern Gosden, dear Lord. <laughs> He's like, just his voice, you know. Um, he was a singer singer, don't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, there's just something about the quality. Of, and Keith Whitley, too. They just have, I, I can't explain what it is, but you know it when you hear it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's something like, so what's the saddest song you've ever recorded? Honestly, I think my new single, Teach Me to Forget, I think that has to be probably the saddest one I've done so far. Uh, Why do you I, think I, it's the saddest? A lot of people have experienced heartbreak in their life, and I think this really touches on that. And I think a lot of people can really resonate with what we're talking about in it. So what made you uh, pick this song, you know, to actually record? I mean, what was it about the song that you said, you know, I, I really want to do this song? Well, they when I cut Our Sweet Love about a year and a half ago, uh, this song had been pitched to me too at the same time. And I ended up recording our sweet love instead. And we kind of started working on this new project and we were looking for songs and I was just going through older stuff that had been pitched to me that I might've overlooked. And I started listening to this one again and I'm like, wow, I think I really missed something big on this one. And so we went back in and cut it. And I think truthfully, it's been one of my favorite things that I have done so far. Wow, that sounds great. Well, let's go ahead and hear that song. So it's it sounds awesome. I, you know, you were kind enough to share a preview of the single with us, and we're gonna go ahead and let all the good folks hear it right now. I've been holding on to the love we had for too long no matter how hard i try i'm just not over you yet and i know you don't owe me any favor 
Would you please, please teach me to forget? Teach me to forget all the good times we had. like that but um we really didn't talk about how you came to uh the conclusion that you really wanted to do this you know uh for a living so i want to talk you know about that because uh, fans like to know about you know what actually made you decide you know i mean because you know there's a lot of people with talent out there but they don't actually decide to move forward and record uh, an album and you know write songs like you know you're also a songwriter which is Awesome. You know, that's really great. So um, could you speak to that, White, if I ask you, you know, what made you decide or when did you actually know that you wanted to do this for a living? Um, I was 10 years old and I went to see George Jones downtown and I was the only person in there that was 10 years old (laughs) (laughs) wearing jeans and a George Jones shirt that was five sizes too big. And I sat at the edge of the balcony and sang every word of every song. And, you know, that stuck with me for a long time. And I think it played a big role in me wanting to do this for sure. What were your thoughts? Like, do you remember, you know, I know you're 19 now. So, you know, so many moons ago. 
but do you actually remember how you felt? Like what was going through your mind when you saw George Jones? I mean, did it even sink in that this was George Jones? Oh yeah. I mean, even, even being that little, I mean, George was like my idol, you know? So I'm thinking I'm watching pure gold right now. I'm, <laughs> right. I'm starstruck the whole time. So. Yeah. I can only imagine. I actually, um, I wrote a little blog post about my first encounter with George and I was a kid, you know, just like you, actually a little bit younger than you when I saw George at the Strawberry Festival in Plant City, Florida. And my dad took me to see George and I sat there and George Jones came on and I looked at him and I was like, well, that's the man, you know, (laughs) in daddy's albums. It looks just like him, except he has, you know, kind of a, a little bit of silver and, you know, that type of thing. Then um, when he started singing, that was it. I just lost it. You know, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, because you know, up until that point, I think I, I'm telling you, I think I was about eight years old. Um, up until that point, Wyatt, I always thought that these people and uh, the records were like these mythical creatures that didn't really exist. <laughs> <laughs> they just existed in the actual record, and I, I actually wrote a blog post on Stone Cold Country about that. Because it was just such an important experience for me. And it kind of really shaped, you know, my, uh, I guess my musical taste, you know, moving forward. It really did. Um, George was just, I think, had that kind of effect on almost anyone. Um, He was just, you know, such an amazing talent and stylist. And we were very, you know, fortunate to have him. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, after that, then what were the steps that you took you know, to kind of move forward with your music career? Because there might be people listening right now that are saying, you know, I, I really would love to do this and I just have no idea. So how does someone, you know, actually move forward and start doing this? Um, even, you know, in a small town USA, like you live in Indiana, you haven't moved to Nashville yet, have you? No, no. Um, actually, the first time I was on stage was in Nashville. Oh, wow. Uh, we were at Layla's just on vacation hanging out and um my, my dad and my aunt walked up and kind of put me on the spot and got the band to get me up and wow i did this whole crowd of people and <laughs> overcame the fear and i do right then i'm like all right well i i can do this i, I want to do this like i want to roll with it so wow um That's we went amazing. down to forge a few months after that for um Oh, what is that called? North American Country Music Association International, NACMI. Oh, got um, it. Big thing they do down there, and I won some awards down there, and then I started playing around in the local bars and stuff, and then I got to play one big show down down here, not far from where we live, and uh, then I got introduced to Beverly Gosden through my drummer, mm-hmm. and she introduced me to Buddy Hyatt, and he took me to Jim Best, and kind of just shaking hands and meeting new people and really been a great experience, you know, especially having Brent Mason on all my out, you know, all my recordings and, and buddy. And, uh, it's kind of, kind of crazy how I've met these people and they've became just as much my idols as George Jones and, you know, paycheck and Vern Gosden and Hank Jr. You know, everybody that they've worked with through the years. Those are some big names you just dropped there. What? <laughs> <laughs> Those are those are like some big names you just casually dropped <laughs> in the conversation. Good Lord. Well, it doesn't surprise me, you know, because you're one of the keepers of the flame. You know, that's probably why you have these amazing people that have 
you know, decided, hey, you know, we want to, you know, work with Wyatt and, and help him because are, you know, putting out the Stone Cold Country music. So why, you know, when you look at all the songs you've recorded already, which one is your favorite? Uh, I'd have to say I Might Have Stood Your Leaving is probably my favorite. What's the story behind that song? Well, they pitched that song to me. It was one of the, the first ones they'd given to me after Our Sweet Love. And it kind of gave me a very Vern Gosden feel to it, is why I liked it so much. Um, it seemed like something that a, a, a lot of people could connect with. You know, again, that's kind of how I pick a lot of the songs, even though they might not directly pertain to me sometimes. You know, just like Drunk Out Tonight, it's like 19, you know, hard to sell that at 19. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody out there listening to it, they might go, wow, you know, I, I know what he's saying, even though if it's not really about him, I, I got the point, you know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that's one of those songs, too. Hey, I really like that song. Let's go ahead and hear it right now. I stood right there and watched you Packing up your things Didn't even flinch When you hit me with your rings I said I wouldn't miss you I thought I was strong I might have stood your leaving But I can't stand your being gone I get no satisfaction Sleeping all alone If I ain't looking out the window I'm sitting by the phone I thought you'd be running back by now Well I guess I was wrong I might have stood your leaving can't stand your being gone Yeah, I remember saying All I need is me Just how much I needed you Is what I failed to see On if I can't make it up to you I won't make it alone I might have stood your leaving But I can't stand your being gone Satisfaction from sleeping all alone. If I ain't looking out the window, I'm sitting by the phone. I thought you'd be running back by now. Well, I guess I was wrong. I might have stood your leaving, but I can't stand your being gone. Sleeping all alone If I ain't looking out the window I'm sitting by the phone I thought you'd be running back by now Well, I guess I was wrong I might have stood your leaving But I can't stand your being gone It's been heartache after heartache And the big one's coming on I might have stood your leaving can't stand your being gone 
said you won a couple of, of awards or something. I think I heard you say uh, through NACMA. Tell us about those awards and how did that whole thing come about? Well, my mom's best friend, her aunt was involved in that. She was the president for the South Carolina district, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got me to come down there and got me involved with all that. And I, I actually went two years in a row. I won uh, a duet award with a friend of mine and I've won vocalist of the year. I've won entertainer of the year. And over two years, I ended up winning five awards. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. So um, let's move forward. And, you know, I wanted to ask you about <laughs> your picks. If you had to pick, you know, five albums, you know, that you could take with you on a deserted island. Remember, you have no other resources. These albums are going to keep you company for who knows how long. <laughs> or, and, and we're just assuming that, you know, like, uh, I don't know, you may have an iPhone with you or some kind of playing device. <laughs> so what would you want to take with you and why? Um, of course, there has to be a George Jones album in there. So I'd probably have to say, if I missed him, one I didn't. Um, take this job and shove it, Johnny Paycheck. Habits Old and New, Hank Williams Jr. Oh, yeah. Between This Time and The Next Time, Gene Watson. Oh, wow. And Back to the Barroom, Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. All so good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Usually when I ask that question, there's always that one album that I'm scratching my head and saying, really? <laughs> but yours are all good. Wow, you've done some heavy listening to real country music. I can tell that absolutely good lord so how awesome is it to you know hear your ep like no jones on the jukebox is getting some airplay um how awesome is it to know that your music is out there people are, are you know listening to it um do you remember actually the first time you heard one of your songs played somewhere uh yeah yeah actually we were at the this little bar down here by my house and um we were playing in there and they had one of those digital jukeboxes on the wall and i didn't even know that my song was on it but somebody had played it you know while we were on a break and i was like wow that's (laughs) that's crazy i didn't even know it's in there so oh my gosh i can just imagine you must have been like (laughs) that's me That's me singing kind of on there. Off guard because you're just kind of walking around and mingling and doing your own thing. And then you're like, wait, I'm not even on stage. Why do I hear myself? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That is just so crazy. Dear Lord. So um, what would you want, um, you know, fans to, to really know about you? You know, because you're kind of an up and comer, you know, so a, a lot of you know people might not know who you are just yet. So I'm wondering. um, you know, when someone listens to this podcast and they're like, wow, you know, this Wyatt guy, his music sounds really good. Uh, what would you want them to know that they might not know by just listening to your music? Um, truthfully, I want everybody to know that I've cut all these songs with a purpose. You know, there's always been a meaning behind them. And it's not just like um, me listening to it and going, oh, yeah, that's a hit. That's a hit. That's a hit. You know, I'm not looking for that. It's always been, wow, that has some kind of deeper meaning to me or that might have a deeper meaning to somebody. So why is that important to you? Well, I mean, doing 
the kind of music I do, I think it's important that everybody relates to it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's always been my goal is just to cut something that somebody can listen to and go, wow, that really, that really sticks with me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely. And that's what country music is all about. Right. You know, you're yep. talking about real life, real truths, you know, you're tugging it, you know, on heartstrings and you're also helping people get over stuff. Uh, Cause sometimes, you know, just hearing a song that is saying what you're going through will help you get through stuff. I mean, that, you know, for me, that's always been the case. Like, I can think back to, like, one song that really spoke to me during a particular time, right? I'm sure you could say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the way country music works. So that I did want to talk to you about Lord is Sure is Drunk Out Tonight, because that's a Keith Whitley song, isn't it? Yes. So that was from one of his demos. Is that correct? (coughs) Yeah. All right, so I want to talk about that song. I want to talk about that because, um, so Keith Whitley, um, gosh, and I don't have to tell you this as I'm preaching to the choir. I know that already. Um, But, you know, Keith Whitley just left an indelible mark, you know, on country music. And so many big fans, so many people have been influenced by Keith Whitley. I had a conversation with uh, the jukebox junkie, you know, Ken Mellons a couple months ago. And um, he had had, you know, like a very early experience with Keith Whitley. He had actually met him um, after he had gotten turned down (laughs) on this. uh, I can't remember the name of the contest, but it was a singing contest in Nashville. And um, he auditioned for it and he, you know, got turned down. And um, anyway, um, he had, um, you know, he got to meet Keith Whitley and Keith Whitley told him, you know, you have one of the best voices I've ever heard, never give up, you know? And so um, he was telling me about how there were all these demo tapes that were circulating, you know, years after Keith Whitley died that were Keith Whitley demos that he had not recorded. And so I noticed that song on your EP, you know, Lord, it sure is drunk out uh, tonight. And I know that's a Keith Whitley song. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, how you came across that song and why you decided to record it. Well, I've always been nosy, I guess you could say, when it comes to finding older songs that nobody's ever heard. Right. And I found it probably my eighth grade year, my freshman year. I found it a long time ago, way before I ever started recording stuff. And um, when we did start recording, I brought it up. I was like, hey, you know, I think this would be a really good song. You know, it kind of embodies Keith Whitley's story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what drew me to it most, especially because nobody had ever done it besides this demo, demo tape that I'd found forever ago. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the reason we ended up doing that one, just trying to get it heard. That right. way it wasn't just floating around out there, just, you know, for some random kid in eighth grade to find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, is it kind of um, like, I wonder what goes through someone's mind when they uh, recut a song that one of their idols cut first? Like, how mind numbing is that? Or were you like, hey, I got this? I mean, what were like your thoughts about, you know, was there a little bit of entropy? Like, oh, my gosh, you know, am I really going to cut this song with Keith Whitley? <laughs> recorded or I mean what was your thought process on that 
Oh yeah. I mean, that's definitely always a very nerve wracking thing to do because it's like, how am I going to match up to that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you pull through something like that and say, you know, I I've loved this song since eighth grade. I, I'm just going to do it. Well, it's kind of just one of them things where it's, you just have to give it all and hope that you do it some kind of justice. Right. Yeah. You just give it your all. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and hear that song right now. So Lord, he sure is drunk. <laughs> It's just too bad for me to go outside Cause all I do tonight is slip and slide Not because of any snow or rain I'm back to my old way. I ain't drawn a sober breath in day. So I'll just sit here higher than a kite. Cause Lord, it sure is drunk out tonight. Cause Lord, it sure 
tonight Yeah, Lord, it sure is drunk out tonight I don't know if you understand that, um, you know, being 19 and singing traditional country music is just amazing, you know? So, um, cause you know, a lot of your contemporaries, you know, are doing, you know, the pop country and all this other stuff, you know? So, um, it, it's just, you're really seeing, um, as, you know, future of traditional country music. So, um, because, I mean, you know, because, you know, your age. And so I just, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable if I ask you, you know, um, you know, being 19 and singing traditional country music, you know, you're like the future of country music. You know, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about being, you know, part of the future of traditional country music? You know, I definitely think it's an honor to be, labeled with everybody that I've grown up loving and listening to, you know, as far as that traditional category goes. And I don't think I could look at it any other way than just doing what I love to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you had the, cause you have the type of voice where you could pretty much sing, you know, a wide variety of things. Um, you have good vocal intonation and, and inflections, but, um, if you could sing anything else, you still would sing traditional country music. Yeah. Uh, if I couldn't sing traditional country, I wouldn't sing at all. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go, folks. <laughs> That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Absolutely. That's where your heart and soul is at. So why we've had such a blast talking to you today. I mean, you have some, you know, excellent material out this brand new single, you know, we're going to be really watching and we're going to spin, you know, just the bejesus out of it, you know, on our program as well. Um, and we just wanted to give you the opportunity of, you know, sharing with your fans and potentially new fans the ways that they can connect with you across social media. So if you can give us your handle for like Facebook, Twitter, and if you're on Instagram and if you have a website, just this is the time to go ahead and share that. Uh, I'm actually on Facebook as Wyatt Massengill Music. I'm on Instagram as Wyatt Massengill and Twitter W Massengill. All right. Great. Sounds awesome. And then do you have a website? Yes, I actually have WyattMassengill.com. All right. That sounds good. Now, we know with this COVID-19 thing, you may or may not have any gigs, you know, scheduled yet. Um, but if you did, would that be something they could find on your website or on Facebook or on both? Uh, I update all my gigs on the website and on Facebook and typically Instagram too. Okay, uh, not great. really much going right now because of the COVID stuff, but when everything gets mm -hmm. back to normal, that'd be oh, a yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, who knows? Um, they're saying we're in the third phase of things. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so <laughs> I really don't know. And um, I just, you know, some of the clubs are trying to open up, but it's at like half capacity or something, you know. No, I know some 25. Are, 25%, you said? 25% capacity? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, most of the people playing the clubs, they usually uh, make a percentage of the bar tab or, you know, uh, if there's, 
you know, uh, the entry, the admission, you know, uh, fee or, you know, one of the two, it's usually. So at 25% capacity, you're not really making any money. Not that you were making a heck of a lot anyway, <laughs> you know, but it, it becomes less though. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's not good. Not good at all. Well, hey, we really want to appreciate you. We had such a blast talking to you and we really love the new single. Um, when can the fans expect that single to drop? About three weeks. In three weeks. So we're looking at maybe the second week of October? Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Well, it was our pleasure, Wyatt. Um, thank you so much You know, for taking time out to talk to us about your amazing music. Uh, we're so happy that you're one of the keepers of the traditional country flame. Don't change, you know, please don't change. Uh, keep, you know, going for it. And we expect to hear great things from you in the future. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me. On the Brink 2020, all rights reserved.